Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're answering a listener question. This one comes from Liam, and it is in relation to buying your first house, uh, it, whether it's owner-occupier or an investment property. So I'll read you Liam's situation, and then we've got four different scenarios that Liam could actually do. So here's Liam's situation. He says, look... My partner and I are looking to buy our first home. I'm really interested in investment, so I'm considering should we buy our first home first or an owner-occupier? We've got 90 to 100k worth of savings, no debt, so what, what should we do? Is this a case of we need to pick one or the other, buy a home for ourselves or an investment property, or is there some other way around this? Now, this is quite a common question. Uh, people might harken back. We've probably done another one of these maybe 100 episodes ago or so. And so that's why we've created four some different scenarios that Liam and his partner could potentially do to go a bit deeper uh, within this. So, Andrew, why don't you walk us through uh, a couple of scenarios that Liam could do to get kick-started so he can actually do a bit of both in, in, in each of these? Sure. So, Liam, uh, when I started out, I didn't have anywhere near the same deposit as you, so well done. Uh, you've saved a lot more than I was able to. Uh, I carried on renting and just bought rental properties because that was my drive. I didn't really care about where I lived. So, well, I wanted to live where I wanted to live, but I didn't care about renting that house, and, and that's continued up until recently. So at the tender age of 36 this week, I sorry, last week, I, uh, I, I bought my first owner-occupied house, believe it or not. And so um, you could go down that road road if you want to. Um, if, on the other hand, uh, own home ownership is really important to you, then um, I've done some scenarios of different ways that you can do that and then leverage against your house to buy a rental property. So let's talk about those. So um, firstly, I worked on a scenario of, okay, well, you know, I was trying to figure out what a nice value price for your first house might be. And I worked on 650 because I wasn't sure where in the country you were and and 650 is probably the maximum that I'd want to spend as my first house uh, if I was in Auckland uh, if you're in Christchurch or or, or maybe um, Hamilton you might get a bit cheaper but uh, Auckland and and uh, Wellington you're probably spending 650 so I've worked on that um, so I've worked on this assumption on the first scenario that you're not handy you're like me you're not handy and you don't want to do any work to the house you just want to work on growth so you put your full hundred thousand dollars in and so you take out a mortgage of 550 now now, there are going to be some common assumptions in these uh, scenarios, and the common assumptions are repayments of six twenty-five a week, which are a little bit above the minimum payments, uh, an interest rate of three percent, because I know you can get up to five years for three percent or two point nine nine percent at the moment, so that would probably be the maximum you pay, and a capital growth rate of five percent. Now, that's assuming straight line growth never happens that way, but just for the interest of these numbers, we've done that. So. Ideally, as you probably know, the banks want you to have kind of an 80% LVR maximum when it comes to uh, owner-occupied properties, but you can get 90% at the moment. So I'm going to show on this first scenario, you're not putting in a full 20% deposit, you're slightly shy of that, but I think it would probably get approved if you've got no other debts, you're credit worthy, and you've got strong enough incomes. So we'll just work on that for now. Uh, again, those payments of 6.25 a week. Based on that, based on just buying a house now, getting capital growth of 5%, in three years, that house will have usable equity at 80% LVR of 100K. So in three years' time, you get your house revalued, 
you take out the usable equity of 100K, then you go buy yourself a $500,000 investment property and you're on the investment ladder now as well. So that's that's the first scenario, nice and easy. You don't have to do any hard, hard work other than what you've already done. And of course, you might be saving some extra cash and it might happen a little bit sooner. My second scenario is working on the fact that the banks will lend up to 90% for an owner-occupied property at the moment, sometimes even 95 but let's just keep it easy and say 90%, and therefore you take out a mortgage of 585 so you're only putting in a 10% deposit, 65k, which that means you're going to have 35k left over that you can keep in savings. Now, I quite like this scenario because you've still got some extra cash, you do something creative with that cash, like use a revolving credit or an offset loan so that you minimize your interest but for the for the interest if it's sorry for the sake of this uh, scenario you still have the 35k available at any time now if you pay again those mortgage payments at 625 and assuming that at a later date because this is one and a half years fast forward you can still borrow up to 90% now that could be the little fish hook that might get you and it's worth talking to a broker about if you buy a house the bank will probably give you a higher LVR than when you restructure your debt but having said that if in a year and a half time uh, the banks are still being quite tricky and they won't give you 90% you might go to a non-bank lender if you can't uh, get to where you want to but let's just say that you show that you're diligent with paying your mortgage, you explain to them that you want to go and buy a rental property and they say yes, they'll give you up to 90% again, then in one and a half years, so not that far from now, you'll have enough equity to pull out 67k at that 5% growth, plus you got 35 cash still, so that gives you your 100k that you can then go and use as your deposit for your rental property. Again, there needs to be some conversations around tax structures around all of this because you don't want to uh, make your personal mortgage higher. You want to make your investment debt as high as possible, but that's a conversation for another show. Uh, So in that scenario, at 90% LVR, you could put in your 65K, uh, just work on growth. Again, you don't have to do much more other than work the system a bit, and you're there in one and a half years, which is pretty cool. My third scenario is a little bit more hands-on. This is where you might want to add some value. So let's say you are pretty handy with a paintbrush or you uh, hire some tradespeople in and uh, and you've got an eye for detail and you know what adds value to a house and you're prepared to do that. So now we're going to work again on the 650 purchase price with 65k in, but you got 35k left over for renovations. Now I'm going to assume now that you dump that entire 35k into renovations but you increase the value by 35k. Now, I, I'm uh, sorry, by 35k additional on top of the renovations. So if I'm looking at a project, I want to get a good return on my money. You should only do this if you know that you are going to get a good return on that money. So essentially, you've got 70k upside, but you're putting 35k in to get that. That means that once you've completed the renovations, let's just say that they take a couple of months, your value is 720 and your mortgage is uh, is still that 90% of the original 650. So what's that, 585 from memory? And so then you diligently pay that down again at that 625 a week. And again, if we work on the 80% LVR rule, in 2.4 years, you'll have usable equity of $104,000. So in 2.4 years. So the fastest way to do 
any of these uh, based on my three scenarios is scenario number two. So using the higher LVR to get you there faster and putting less cash in. Um, and there, there are a few risks, as I say, because the bank still has to give you access to that usable equity later on. But probably if I were doing it and home ownership was important to me, that would be the one that I would do. Uh, uh, but everyone's situation is different. And so we just wanted to give you a few broad different options for you to consider. And just another two or three scenarios as well, bearing in mind that houses don't necessarily go up in equal amounts each year in the short term, because sometimes areas are flat and regions uh, have relatively flat house prices and then go through astronomical and very quick growth, is, which is what we tend to observe when we look at median house prices. Uh, the first is where you put in your 65k to buy the 650k property, so you're borrowing at 90%, that leaves you with 35k left. Then what you might do is save another $15,000 over the next, say, year or two. That'll give you 50K. And then you might start to use the bank of mum and dad, which is highly underutilised in my opinion, which is where you go to <laughs> mum and dad and say, hey, mum and dad, you've got some equity within your home. You've got some usable equity in there. May I secure an extra little bit of loan against that property because I'm short on equity? Now, that would allow you to have, take 50K from their place, you've got the other 50K, you're able to buy a property much more quickly. And that doesn't involve your house necessarily going up in value. So if that didn't happen for whatever reason, this would be the other option. The other option as well would be to say, mum and dad, why don't we co-buy a house together? So rather than just allowing me to use equity in your, in your home, let's get a bit of upside there as well. And in some situations, I often see with young professionals, you might actually earn more money than your parents do. So they might have the equity, but you've got the servicing. So this is a bit like our episode yesterday where we were talking about two people coming together, each with different things, bringing different things to the table. Sometimes younger professionals do have more income and so can help out on the servicing side. Sometimes the parents, and frequently the parents, will have more equity. So they, the two generations can kind of come together in that situation and that's kind of the fifth scenario where you'd actually be able to buy a property right now, buy your own or occupier, keep your other 35k and then co-buy with your parents is the other situation. Um, and of course, the other side of the coin, which was your original question, Liam, is that you could just buy an investment property first, but we really are talking about doing one or the other, waiting a couple of years, or if you're able to get uh, do do some sort of deal with somebody else who's got some equity, like perhaps your parents or a very close family member, then that could be the other option as well. And actually, if you're really sneaky, maybe just put that 100k in the bank, see if mum and dad will give you the 65k uh, a guaranteed loan to, to do a 90% loan and a 10% from their house and buy, use that for your first house, and then use the 100k to buy your investment property a few weeks later. <laughs> yes. Um, so look, just a couple of those scenarios again. So the first one was put it all uh, into your owner-occupied wait until you've got 100k with a usable equity at 80%. So that's going to be three years. That was scenario one. Scenario two would take 1.5 years. That's when you where you kept 35 and borrowed at 90% against your house. The renovation option was scenario three. That was 2.5 years. Uh, the one with bank of mum and dad could potentially be right now. That's scenario number four. Or you could also just buy an investment property. So different, you know, straight away and not your owner occupier. So four or five different scenarios there. And I think what this shows is there are is almost always a way to, to get started in property investment, uh, it, which is possibly a bit of a contrast to yesterday's episode. Um, but there, there usually are ways, but you've got to make sure you, that you've got that mix of equity and income and where you can actually get both of these 
to bring them to the table. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It really helps us get the message out to more people. And if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, come along to our webinar, which is happening tomorrow, Tuesday, the 30th of June at 7pm. We're going to be talking about are house prices really going to double in the next 10 years? And we're going to be arguing both sides of the argument, saying here are the reasons why that might happen. Here are some of the reasons why perhaps that won't happen. And we're actually calling up our friends who we know are sceptical around uh, house price inflation, ongoing house price inflation, so that we can hear both sides of the argument and present them as honestly as possible to you so you can decide for yourself what you think is going to happen. Now, I'm going to link that up in the show notes or feel free as well to register at www.opuspartners.co.nz slash webinar. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. 